with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kowick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown. Shut up. Uh, the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing, right here in beautiful, lovely downtown Drake. And with me all the way from across the pond is the man who put the golden standard in paranormal investigating he is none other than Mr. Steve Parsons. Good evening, Ron. That's uncharacteristically cheerful of you tonight, and completely unlike what you were like two minutes ago before we went on air. You know what? I, I'm so happy about today's show because I have probably my most favorite person on uh, as a guest. She is, I, what? I, I did say to Maureen before the show that I've only ever heard you say nice things about Maureen. Shh. Except, except last year's Spirit Quest when you when she did wanted to meet her. Yeah. Oh, I wish I got to meet you. I don't know if I should be talking now, but yes, I wish I had an opportunity to meet you. It just it was a whirlwind time for me. Yep. So, anyways, that is the voice of the Queen of Pain herself, <laughs> Maureen Woods. So there you go. So, hey, anyways, no uh, you're, my name. you're listening. Whatever. Uh, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles right here on Tojanet Perex Ghost Channel. Uh, Planet Paranormal, um, iTunes, iTunes TuneIn, whatever. So anyway. So, is it, uh, what? Is it iTunes or iTunes? I don't really care. <laughs> I was just asking. You know, we're an international... Tomato, tomato, right? Exactly, it's an, thank you. It's an international show. You know, we have to get the pronunciation right. So there yeah. is, you know, there is... Um, just throw a U in it, and it'll be British. But it, listen, it's not called English for a re- with, without good reason. Without us, you'd have been talking French. Yeah, well, that's an improvement, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> then we wouldn't have, to, wouldn't have to save your butt all these times. Anyways, let's get back to the show. Um, well, we actually, yeah, we have somebody who's really uh, – I've known for quite a while, and um, – have the pleasure, I guess, would say, to work with her and also to write with her. She's a trans medium, which is uh, kind of interesting. And uh, she has been my partner for the past eight, ten years. I don't know whatever the hell it's been. Thirteen uh, years, but don't, not well, counting at all. Yeah, well, it seems like eight or ten or thirteen. <laughs> um, Anyways, so Maureen, you are a trans medium. And, and this is pretty weird, Steve, because, you know, I didn't even believe in mediums when I uh, started the New England Ghost Project. And I re- met Maureen, and uh, that's how I got really into all this paranormal crap. So, um, well, the metaphysical, I should say. So, Maureen, I mean, you want to, I mean, we've told this story a few times, but I don't know if Steve's ever heard it. Could, would you like to tell uh steve how i was able to meet you oh okay well many years ago so it was about i don't know about 13 or 14 years ago um for years since i was a child i've had experiences 
and for years I would do readings, and I was a you know a medium for adult seances for about three years running. Uh, all these things were going on, and then finally I kept saying, "What's the point?" Right? You know, I was giving messages to people, but I kept saying, "If there's a reason for me that I should be doing it bigger or different, then I need to be able to to get that." get information out there. So to me, I'm a very big believer in the angels and God. And I said, you know what, I'm putting it out there. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And within a week um, or less, I was, you know, kind of guided with my husband to take a drive to this store that I hadn't been to in New Hampshire, um, Mass in New Hampshire, uh, a place down New Hampshire, I believe it was. And going there, and it hadn't been there for 16 or so years. And I get in the store. The gentleman, you know, recognized me. Uh, spoke to me, you know, and, and all of a sudden he's like, you know what, Maureen, this is really strange, but, you know, before you leave, you know, it was great seeing you and all, but I have something for you. There's an, I have my last edition of, you know, this newspaper here and uh, State Line Review, and I think it's meant for you. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd, not wanting to embarrass him or say, geez, I don't, you know, I'm not a big fan of it, whatever it was. I just never read it very often. I took the newspaper and thanked him and left. And when I got in the car, I browsed through the newspaper, and sure enough, the last page in the newspaper was a, a story written by Ron Kolek and the New England Ghost Project, and uh, it had his email and his information. And I said, you know what, I, that's, to me, I took that as a sign. Um, I sent him an email. And then within a couple of days, I think, Ron, you called me back. Something I wrote struck a nerve, I think. Uh, you called me back and you invited me on to a trip to go out and do an investigation on an island. Mind you, he's like, I don't know this guy. He tells me there's not going to be a bathroom. We're going to be dropped off on this island. It's going to be overnight. It's going to be cold because I think it was, in, it was in the fall time. It's going to be cold. Um, and I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll go. And uh, that actually got changed, but I was invited to another location. And I think Ron kind of was putting me through the, the test, if you might, you know, as you would say. Um, and then after going out an investigation with him, you know, he invited me to join the team. And it's gone since then. It's been, a, like I said, whirlwind for me lately. But that's been years. <laughs> you know, go ahead, well, I was going to say, you certainly have to show a girl a good time, don't you, Ron? Is that how yeah, you yeah. <laughs> You're going to be helicoptered into a remote island with no toilet paper. And freezing cold in the middle yeah. of the Atlantic in winter. Nice yeah, call. Yeah. Nice call. I know. My husband is like, are you crazy, Maureen? You're going to go? And I said, you know, I, like I said, I'm a big believer in signs. It was meant to be. So if it's going to happen, fine. I'm, I'm going to go. I'll go. The, the interesting thing about it is back when I started New England Ghost Project, uh, if you, uh, you know, nobody – any paranormal group would never, ever, ever use a medium that was, uh, you know, taboo. But the way I looked at it is, uh, why not? If she can give me some information that I can use, then certainly it's not any more. You know, it's just another tool in my toolbox. Boxes, the way I look boxes, at it. Boxes, so, yeah. Boxes. Well, there's another thing. See, I'm a tool in his toolbox. Yeah, what a, what a what a gentleman full of compliments, Ron. I'm assuming that last reference to no paranormal group would use a medium is referring entirely to American-based groups. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, well, that was all we were familiar with uh, back yeah. then, because because was... I mean, uh, there weren't that many paranormal groups here in the UK 13 or 14 years ago, but um, parascience was one of them, and we did we didn't have a group medium. Uh, we've never had a group meeting, but we do 
um, from time to time call upon the services. And what was interesting, just to rewind a little bit, is what you said right at the start, that you were uh, very sceptical about mediumship. And, yeah, uh, I thought they were all charlatans, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I, again, you see, people get the impression that I'm the anti you know, the Antichrist when it comes to mediums. But in oh, actual yeah, the fact, Antichrist of everything. That's what everybody <laughs> thinks, boy. You know, I'm tired just, of getting your hate mail, Steve. The, anti, the Antichrist of bad practice, possibly. But we've, we've, uh, I've never had any issue with mediumship. In fact, the history of psychical research is intrinsically linked with mediumship, going right the way back to, you know, beyond the formation of the Society for Psychical Research in the 1880s and the Ghost Club, you know, 20 years before that. Psych Psychical research, the science side of it, has always worked with and cooperated with mediums. Um, there have been there have been splits in the past. There have been fallings out. You know, you get that in any working relationship. Um, but I've, I, there are fascinating accounts of mediums. Uh, Daniel Hume, um, the Anglo-American or the Anglo-Scot. Um, we have, you know, Eleanor. Um, whose names just popped straight out the top of my head as I started to say it, who founded the Parapsychological Foundation, um, Eileen Garrett, sorry, not Eleanor, Eileen Garrett, um, who, you know, was a Brit British and then moved to America um, and formed one of the leading parapsychological research organisations. Um, the SPR had uh, close, very close links with established spiritualist um, churches and spiritualist investigators um, back in the 1880s through to the early 1900s. And Harry Price, of course, his, his psychical research laboratory was up on the top floor of the Spiritualist Union. Um, yeah, I mean, but I, 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 I understand that, and, you know, from the English point of view, but, but back when we did it, there was, uh, you know, nobody would, uh, the paranormal was looked down, never mind using mediums was the well, thing. I mean, Nathan, Nathan said, uh, you know, that's not true because there were not. No, there really wasn't, Nathan. If you were on the Internet, and the Internet was fairly new when I started, you couldn't find too many mediums out there in any paranormal group. You couldn't find too many paranormal groups out there in the mediums. So, uh, yeah, I kind of, I, I you know, I, I feel I pioneered the acceptance of mediums in the groups in the United States. And I know that uh, Warren's uh, and, uh, of course, Hans Holzer and that. But as far as uh, the modern day um, uh, ghost hunters. So anyway, I, I mean, I think we have to also look uh, uh, towards the, the uh, world of television and particularly most haunted who, you know, up, and, up until the sort of 2000s, the very early 2000s, um, mediums didn't tend to um, investigate haunted locations. They, they tended to confine their activities to the seance chamber right. because they had intrinsic knowledge and belief, of course, that... that that we can communicate with spirit and don't really need to go tramping around damp, cold buildings or be dropped into Atlantic islands in the middle of winter. Exactly. Um, Good point. <laughs> but <laughs> when, when most haunted came along, because they realized that ghost hunting is in its, it is in essence a fairly boring and mundane uh, activity. And they called upon the services of, of Derek Acora, um, who was uh, who a trans medium too who is a trans medium um, and was well-known, relatively well-known here in the UK. He hadn't quite reached, reached the, the dizzy heights of Colin Fry, perhaps, or Doris Stokes, but he was, he, he was in the ascendancy. 
And that was really the first time that many people had encountered the idea, the notion of using a medium to investigate haunted locations. Now, you know, there had been instances before uh, Gertrude Schmeidler, the parapsychologist, and also Lloyd Auerbach, another parapsychologist, and I think Hans Holzer too, took yeah, media Holzer, to Sybil Shepard. He worked yeah. at Sybil Shepard, yeah. They took they did take mediums to haunted locations, but that right. was that was, you know, that was off, you know, not the norm. Um, right. And it wasn't really until television started showcasing it. And then Ghost Hunters came along, of course, and upped the ante with the, uh, the twin demonologists. Yeah, but that, even that, they did not use mediums. And now either one of those guys are not uh, mediums. Uh, Kyle or Keith are mediums. If, they, if you ask them, they'll tell you no. They would never know. But, but yeah. the Ghost Hunters... They were one group that did not want to because if you look at all the early shows, they don't use any mediums on their shows uh, at all. Uh, and that was kind of the way it was done back then. Uh, yeah, but anyways. But actually, but anyway. you guys, you know, I'm listening to you and you bring up a great point. And, and I hear, you know, Steve talking about, you know, that it's, you don't need to tromp around in these locations. And, and really to have someone who's a medium in a spiritualist environment, let's say, in a home or in a, the church, per se, or wherever they're going to be, say, you know, uh, seances and so forth, you don't need to investigate. And I have to say, personally, from having done both, it's much more, depending, maybe more in the United States than it would be in Europe, obviously, but it's more hairy or it's more nerve-wracking, let's say, going to a haunted environment where you never know what you're going to encounter, right? If I'm sitting at home or if I'm at someone else's home or not that there's not a tendency that you could have someone come in or from in a spiritual church, you have a certain, let's say, a certain type of spirit that might show up versus one that if you're getting called out to a location because you have a spirit that's not the nicest, right, causing conflict or causing problems with the living, you know, this times Ron is like, oh, but he doesn't tell me where we would go, and we would just show up there, and I'd sometimes be in kind of a pickle because I'd end up in a place where it, it's almost like fighting a battle or trying to protect yourself against things you're not prepared to do it at first. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting. I mean, I recall being um, one investigation at the, I think it was the 1859 house uh, in Methuen, and Ron had had a, the group had brought in a, um, I don't know, we had a lot of visitors who were doing a night where we'd have like a ghost hunting event. So we had all these individuals come. Well, I guess these three spiritualists um, had showed up from a church that had been um, a few towns away. And upon doing our investigation, it got really, I I knew I started channeling, the energy was really strong. And let's just say after it was done, I recall there was two women and a gentleman. And the two women actually were there, very supportive we kind of worked together to get my energy back up. But the gentleman was so terrified that even though the women came to other events after that, he would not come. And I think it's because he was so accustomed to being in that spiritualist environment that seeing more of the darker sometimes side of energy, he wasn't prepared for. Well, a lot of people will disagree with you and say there is no darker energy. Oh, well, the, everybody has their own perspective, but until you're the one feeling it and experiencing it, there's darker in life. Why wouldn't there be darker energy? Can I just I mean, ask, um, sure. you, you brought up some issues that, that I do encounter on investigations here in the UK, um, which is this idea of uh, 
dark energy, these these uh, malevolent forces that can that mm-hmm. can drain people, that can attack people, and a lot of the mediums do advocate uh, some form of spiritual or psychical protection, be that mm-hmm. um, blue light, red light, um, a whole a whole plethora of different techniques are used now. I know a number of investigators um, who spend time in the same locations. I've spent time in exactly the same locations um, under exactly the same circumstances and have never had anything mm-hmm. adverse happen and have never used mm-hmm. any of these protective mm-hmm. mechanisms. Now, is that because <laughs> is that because I'm impenetrable? Because you, That's you know, it, Steve. Yeah. Some, <laughs> might, some might say you have to be psychically inclined in order to be affected. Um, or is it just that, as Ron touched upon, that there's actually nothing there? Well, you know, I would say that it's a combination of things, okay? So you did mention something, because not so much that you're impenetrable, but you're, you're not necessarily opening yourself up to picking up on that energy. As right. a medium, when we're in the environment and we've gone in, and I can speak for myself, that you, no matter how much protection you do use or you protect yourself, you have to have also the faith that you're protected because part of the reason is you literally are opening up a piece of yourself for that communication, especially at trans-channeling. You know, like you literally are opening up a doorway. So that when you're doing that, you know, who's to say who's trying to knock at the door, right? Or who's going to push someone else out of the way to come through that door or through that opening? Um, as far as, you know, are you getting affected? Well, are you getting affected maybe in a different way? You know, do you have a night where you're just feeling not great or you have headaches and you wake up in the morning and you, and you maybe put it off to, geez, you know what, it must have been something I ate, must have been something I drank. Um, it's not necessarily that you're feeling the same type of effect. You still may be getting effect in a residual way, but you're not quite sure where it came from. Right. Okay. That's that's just clarified that point because, as I say, I've I've been in situations many times where um, others have used protection. I haven't. Um, actually, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not like Ghost Chronicles, the sex edition now, isn't it? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> the interest, Steve. The interesting thing about that is is also the power of suggestion it opens yourself up in itself. Uh, you know, so many people go out there wanting to be attacked be honest with you uh you know they get scratched or something and they think that's the coolest thing in the world so basically they're opening themselves up to uh oh yeah yeah i mean yeah. i've i've heard people say you know if there's anybody here come and hit me scratch me push me yeah okay. oh yeah it's crazy uh, you know, for honestly those you got to be careful what you wish for and i've told that to a few people <laughs> In fact, we had an investigation, and I mentioned that to, the, I won't give his name out on the air, um, but again, we had someone coming to, you know, um, oh, the Houghton Mansion, and it was a friend of my husband's. Now, mind, this is, he's a, um, you know, this is a person who had been in the Vietnam War. He's this very big guy, like six foot, you know, three, just very large man, and he kept saying, I just want an experience. I don't care what it is. I just want an experience, and he had one. I mean, during the investigation, he ended up kind of getting lifted up a little bit, kind of stuck against the wall, his feet. He was like a ballerina with his toes on the floor. His wife was really having a nervous breakdown almost, looking at him, going, oh, my God, what's going on with him? And I 
working with him, I had to kind of peel him off the wall, but I was getting glimpses of what he was there for, and it was a spirit. He was like, hey, he's giving him a gift. He wanted to know. Here you go. And I have to say that, you know, when he realized where it came from, and I said, all right, this is John. This is why it's happening. He kind of fell down off the wall, came down off the wall, was on his feet, and then he looked at me. He's like, thanks, John. And now this is a guy who's so non-believing in this, and he's immediately calling my husband, who, by the way, is, you know, tries to not believe, and he's like, oh, my God, I had this unbelievable experience. I know without a shadow of a doubt that there, you know, that there are things out there. And, I mean, my husband, got, when I got home, he was like, what did you do to my friend? You changed him completely. So, I mean, it wasn't intentional, but he went out for an experience. He asked for it. And, again, Ron, it's intention, right? And he got what he asked for. Is it wrong of me to suddenly want to have that same experience? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that a bad thing to want? Because, you know, I've I've spent a lot of years um, and I have, have, have had experiences, um, but the idea of being picked up and stuck to a wall um, really sounds quite cool. I don't you know, know if I should say that out loud, but it does you know, sound really cool, it, actually. It, it's, it's, it's not it's, at all that delightful. No, but it got nerve-wracking for me because the only image after that that I had was, oh, my God, what if something were to happen to them and I'm responsible because they're friends of mine? You know what I mean? It's my husband's friends. Oh, boy. You know, and I thought, geez, not everybody else in the room, but it's got to happen to them. And that's fine because he was asking for it. And, yeah, but you know what's interesting is he described to me someone who's not a medium, someone who's never worked with the energy before, described the exact same feeling that, when I feel the energy after, for instance, if I have a very uh, draining experience, you know, I feel like kind of an old dish rag has been worn out, okay, like all my energy sapped away. And he says, Maureen, I can't believe it. I can't even move. I feel like no energy. It's like I've been wrung out. I have nothing. And so we worked with him try to get his energy back up. But to have somebody who doesn't even, you know, really have ever done it before to have a similar experience was telling to me. Hmm. Yeah, now uh, we talk about you as a transmedium. Some people don't know what a transmedium is. And um, I get th that question asked a lot. And I always say, well, have you ever, ever seen the movie Ghost? And that would be the Whoopi Goldberg character where the uh, spirit actually uses the body of the medium. Uh, so it, sometimes it can get physical. In fact, Maureen and I were writing today. Um, Ghost Chronicles 2, the next book we were doing, and we were talking, uh, writing about the uh, the Pukwudgies, and and that was that was uh, a kind of a unique experience, uh, Steve. If if you were there, I think you would uh, find it interesting. Let's put it that way, don't you think, Maureen? Yes, I have to tell you, um, for me, I went into this, and you know, they're saying, oh, we're going to go for a walk in this woods. We're going to look around, and I'm thinking, hey, it's a, t a chance to get together and have fun and walk around with everybody. And I wasn't thinking of it as, I hate to say it, I was, shouldn't have been judgmental, but I wasn't looking at it as a serious investigation because I thought, you know, what, these entities, oh, that's a mythical creature or whatever, that's nothing. And For the benefit of our, of our British listeners, um, can we just explain what a puckwudgie is? It sounds like oh, a small, cute, fluffy animal. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, you know, it's actually. <laughs> is it, it one of the gremlins? It, it's what? Is it like one of the gremlins? It, it very much, much <laughs> probably like a, a bald, bald gremlin. I would say. Oh, you really? know, a yeah, a hairless gremlin. Uh, kind of that was 
pretty much what it is. Basically, it was a little creature's. Uh, uh, it's based on um, Indian legend, and uh, the creator gods uh, used to take care of the people, and they had these puckwudgies that were with teases. They used to help, but then they turned kind of nasty, and they started to torment the people. And the uh, creator gods uh, sent their uh, children, their sons out to uh, deal with these Pukwudgies and the Pukwudgies ambushed them and killed them. And then the creator guy came out, grabbed the Pukwudgies, crushed them together and threw them out all over New England. So that's the story about them. But the, that's pretty much, their, pretty much Star Wars. Yeah, pretty much. So anyways, uh, <laughs> that's the origin of the legend and the, the creatures themselves are known uh, for what they do, which is to lure uh, people into the woods, uh, predominantly um, by uh, white lights and other things. And uh, once they get you in there, they uh, attempt to steal your soul. And uh, so they're really, uh, you know. I, I understand that. What you're describing is actually known in Britain. Um, we have, um, we don't have small, hairy or hairless gremlins, but all of the things that are associated with the Pukwudgies in what they do, they attract and lure people, and then they... That's that's what we ascribe to the fairies. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fairies, um, particularly in, in, in my part of the world, in West Wales, uh, they're, they're not the nice Tinkerbells from the Disney films. They, they're actually uh, quite malevolent. Uh, they can be, um, if, if they're placated sufficiently, uh, they can be quite nice from time to time, but they do uh, lure people in. They do uh, steal babies, um, leave their own fairy children. Um, they do, you know, they they rob, they steal. Um, mm-hmm. They require they require a certain amount of placating in the form of uh, leaving them. Get even today, um, there are a number of bridges within within Wales and other parts of the United Kingdom. Uh, where people have to either leave offerings or say good morning or bid bid a uh, good evening to the fairies as they cross bridges. Really? That's interesting. Mm, uh, it's, there is still quite a, a strong residual belief uh, in fairies within, within particularly the west coast of, of uh, Great Britain uh, and Ireland. They do sound like so. For the Brits out there, imagine an ugly fairy without wings and not in a Disney movie, and that's what a puckwudgie does. And claws and fangs. (laughs) That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah. All right. Tinkerbell with claws and fangs. There you go. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe claws. I don't know. It just felt like fangs, only because the way that I was, I just felt afterwards, it was the, when it was all done and said, and, you know, it was, a, there was two attacks that we endured while we're out in the woods. Um, Ron ended up getting his finger dislocated, unfortunately, while he was struggling with me. So that wasn't pretty. <laughs> well, Sorry anyways, that, t- we have to take a break. So let's oh, not talk okay. about my, my finger. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyways, there's the music, so that means we have to take a break. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, Planet Paranormal, and the world beyond. Uh, We'll be right back after the following message with Maureen Wood, Steve Parsons, and Ron Kolick. We'll be right back.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be with remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased. We'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. of the four horsemen of the apocalypse wander over the horizon you join us live in part two of ghost chronicles international where before the break we were discussing something along the lines of gremlins mixed up with tinkerbell the fairy but rob <laughs> you know when when we do the trailer in the middle uh, for the ad break and we talk about circles of wisdom which is somewhere i was fortunate enough to visit last fall and uh can highly recommend it. Uh, has anybody yet contacted you about the haunted realtor 
um, in the same block. No, I never heard about that. Yeah, well, we'll have to work on that maybe in this fall. Um, see if we can um, make. Go on, tell us about the haunted realtor. <laughs> well, I I hope that they won't listen because I've got some plans to have another go at that this year. Uh, last year, whilst whilst um, we we were finishing off at Circles of Wisdom, I stepped outside onto the sidewalk. Notice I'm using the American expressions, not pavement. Um, and switched on my Wi-Fi to try and get a signal to send a message back to the UK and discovered a Wi-Fi printer, which was located in a realtor's office uh, up on the second floor. So thinking on my feet, sent them some pictures up from my phone, um, some spooky pictures, and hit the print button and... uh, been waiting ever since for them to contact Ron or pop down into Circles of Wisdom and complain about their haunted uh, Wi-Fi printer. So you but, are sexted? <laughs> well, were you sexted? No, no. It was it was a spooky picture done with a ghost app. Ah. Um, oh. But maybe we'll, have, maybe we'll have another crack at it this year, see if we can spook them out again. You know, the interesting thing is, is Maureen and I have worked uh, so long together and we're getting away from that topic, as you notice. Uh, So uh, it's uh, it's interesting because we we went back when we started the second book and we looked at a lot of the cases and it was like, oh, my God, do you remember that one? Do you remember that? one? And everyone was was really different. Uh, And I, I found that kind of intriguing it was so that like if you went into prepare for an investigation the the idea of the prepare you have to prepare for everything because everyone is really different well you prepare for it whatever right <laughs> he has, yeah, a different, uh-huh. has a different baseball cap for every different type of investigation well you know what he does is and i don't blame him because to try especially in the early days right he here it is he proclaimed to be you know he was this man of science and that doesn't mean he's not a man of science now but he's grown so much um spiritually right and i think at i lost first, 20 we, pounds oh yeah well that's not what i mean um no. but he you know in the beginning i would use for instance a pendulum and i'd be talking you know i'd be getting communication with spirits and all these other informations coming to me like the names the information and ron's like where's that come from that's not coming from a pendulum i'm like no it's not coming from the pendulum so we used to have these kind of battles right like he i would get this information and i have to tell you as a medium that's one of the biggest things i can tell anybody out there and one of the most challenging things to learn is to trust what you get and to try to discern. So, like, for instance, I may get something that's totally ridiculous, and it could have something to do with a chair or the shades not being drawn. I mean, just something crazy. But it makes sense to someone else. That's the point. It doesn't necessarily make sense to me. So Ron would stand next to me, and I'd give this, you know, hey, was this guy that was brought in here, this energy is from someone else down the street, that you had a party recently from, like, a Halloween party. I mean, all these things. And Ron would say, would you stop saying that? You know, and finally the girl would say, uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Or someone did come in and they had the party and this person was here and they just lost their father. I mean, so it's difficult. It can be embarrassing sometimes. But if you don't trust what you get, you'll never grow from that. As a medium, you'll never learn. So you don't know how quite I got on that subject. But I don't either. You know, I have to trust it. It is a valid point. 
you know, we do rely, um, there is within paranormal investigation, sometimes an over-reliance on technology and this idea that uh, EVPs are, are definitive evidence. Um, and to an extent, I think that's kind of sidelined the mediums and, and has replaced the mediumship in, in a lot of investigations because nowadays, you know, why do you need a medium when you can just go to the store and buy a tape recorder and set it up on your computer with audacity mm-hmm. and play the play the files back at different speeds and of course all of the whatever you get um is, is proof of direct communication so it knocked out the medium of the, the middleman yeah i so, think there's, there's it, a need for all pieces i mean i agree with you yeah, it's it's different, and Ron could certainly be the one to say how much it's changed over time. And I think where I was going for it was Ron setting me up on these investigations um, by originally, like I can think of one, taking me out to the uh, the convict's house. Um, and I know not, nothing. Yeah, you know nothing. Well, he would not, and, I, and again, I agree with him not telling you anything, not saying a word to me. That way it doesn't give me a chance to look things up, okay, Steve? So I don't go out on the Internet. I don't know where I'm going. Um, and usually I'd say 75%, 80% of the time I'm good with that. It's fine. Um, other times it's been very hairy um, going to a place where we find out the person pulls me aside, wants me to do readings just for them. They're upset with the way things are coming out. And, you know, he thinks it's a little girl spirit. And I'm like, nope, it's a, it's a guy. There's a, you know, a man behind it. He's showing himself as a little girl, but it's really not. And then he pulls me aside to tell me that, well, geez, you know, I just got out of prison because I murdered my best friend. And, you know, and there's Ron just standing near the garage, and this guy's telling me, oh, you know, you have to come back by yourself. I need to talk just with you. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I said to Ron, don't do that to me anymore. Um, but that's just one example. But the point is, is for me, you know, again, I trust what I get. If you put a handful of mediums in a room, okay, not everybody's going to get, and that's another thing, not everybody's going to get the same impression, the same images. You might have one spirit that wants to talk to one and another one wants to communicate with someone else, and there are some mediums that get upset with each other because of that. But I think if I'm talking to anybody out there and, you know, you're working in the medium realm, just trust what you get. And even though they're using recordings and you're taking photos and you're doing all the other investigative, I don't think that that negates having a medium. I think it only actually enhances it. Because when were the photos taken? When were the EVPs done? Was it the same time that the medium was picking up information? I think it could be used all together. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100% with what you just said. But I, I'm going to throw a curveball in now because um, we, we talked earlier about the, the, the strong links between psychical research, um, the science side of it, and, and the... the um, psychical side of it, you know, the, the spiritualists. But it has to be, you know, we, we do have to say for balance that the history of mediumship is is, is littered with fraud. Um, oh, absolutely. Oh, wait, I, wait, wait, wait a minute. So isn't it paranormal? I mean, you got Henry well, Mumbler taking those photographs and Well, you just jumped in before I finished again there. Well, that's because you take so damn long to get it out. No, I just don't talk really, really quickly like an American auctioneer. Ah oh, damn! <laughs> carry on, carry on. I mean, as a medium, to sit, to to discover that there are so much, you know, there is so much fraud um, within the the spiritualist field. How does that make you feel, Maury? Because surely, well, you know, people will then question your integrity. 
Absolutely. And, you know, and and I appreciate the fact even that you're bringing that up. And that has been, I will tell you, that has been at the early part of my life, that was a struggle. Because at first, when I was very young, I didn't know that it was anything different. I just thought everybody could do the same thing in the same level. Um, I mean, I do believe a lot of people, most people have some sort of abilities. I just think that some people might have it more enhanced or farther along. Um, and so being young, I just thought it was natural. And then I came to an age where things started really kicking in even more so. Um, and I started not just having mediumship abilities, but I started getting uh, daymares, you might say. I mean, I'd, I'd have moments where I'd see buildings burning down and then tell someone that I trusted, and that person calls me two days later because the building burnt down at the ground that the night before. I mean, so all these things, you know, that's how I think I built trust with certain individuals over the years, and it was hard. I mean, I think we're all, I I always think of ourselves as chess pieces, not just myself, not just mediums, but everybody. We have free will, but we're also given opportunities that we are given chances to make that choice, and we're put in position to meet certain people, and if we make the choice, then our path and our life might move to a certain level or a certain direction. And all my life, I've been kind of put in situations where I've met people that needed information or needed signs. And, um, you know, it's, it has been a difficult road. I mean, I, I've had, and to me, I look back at it and think if I hadn't had those moments where I had those, the biggest doubters or the biggest people that thought I was crazy, for instance, um, I don't think I would have found the strength that I feel today. And today it doesn't, you know, occasionally it bothers me, but not as much as it used to. Mm-hmm. when i mean you go into a bookstore any bookstore now and the shelves are full of books uh, about how oh, to really? open yourself how to uh, teach yourself psychic abilities you can go on courses is it is it really that easy can can anybody become a psychic and to develop their psychic skills i think that you know i often put it as you know, you have Mozart, right? And you have Mozart that at the age of five, you know, he composed his first, uh, you know, the music, let's say. And what, you know, he was more born into a family of music, right? So he, you know, has, he was wonderful with music, but that doesn't mean that someone who's not born into a family of music, I mean, he was a prodigy, right? So you have someone who's not born into music, they study to be a musician, and they can, ha- they can play great music. They may have to work a little harder to achieve certain success, but that doesn't mean that they can't achieve some level of success as a musician and they still have lovely music. So I think that we're all given abilities in other ways. You know, someone's stronger at one thing than another, artistic talents and so forth. But I think that we're all born with something you know, a small bit even of intuitive ability. So whether you have, you know, hey, I know that phone's going to, you know, ring or that loved one, you feel that connection. And love is the biggest connection for psychic ability. So, you know, I truly, it's been proven. I've felt that. And, and a lot of times I think it starts with more of that type of connection than anywhere else. And maybe that's where it ends for some people. Um, but I do think you can learn it. It, would you would you suggest book learning or would you suggest a course or a combination of both perhaps? I would suggest honestly a combination of both. Um, there's you know I'm a technical instructor, believe it or not, and I know I say this a lot, but 
what it does is it shows me that you can't learn everything from just reading. You have to do hands-on. You have to do it yourself because experience is the true learning process. So I think you really need to connect up with a metaphysical group or a location like Circles of Wisdom where you can have trusted individuals and try to learn some bit of information. Um, However, I would never tell someone that everyone knows it all. I'm always learning. Everyone's always learning. And if it feels right to that person, great. If it doesn't, then it's not meant for them. Um, And, you know, be cautious, too. I I can't tell you how many individuals over time that have really gone into the paranormal or the metaphysical, and instead of, they lose the balance. Um, They lose that, hey, i got to live in this world, but yet not totally of it, right? You they go so far into the paranormal or the psychic abilities that they lose grasp of reality, and that's also a danger in anything. Mm-hmm. That's some very good points. Uh, before I forget, and uh, it's kind of jumping right in the middle here, we talked about circles of wisdom. I do want to mention that we, uh, Steve, actually, and uh, I am hosting them, will be teaching a two-day course in ghostology uh, on September 23rd and 24th. Uh, you can either take one day or both days. I think there's a discount if you take both days. And uh, Steve, what's uh, as far as this course, I mean, are you interested in doing it? Is it going to look at just the scientific ways or, or what's it about? I mean, is, is no, it kind of... Absolutely not. Uh, ghostology is what it says on the tin. It is uh, the ology of ghosts, the study of ghosts, apparitions and hauntings. And, of course, that has to encompass all aspects, and that does include the psychic and the science. It looks at the the techniques for talking to witnesses. It looks at the techniques for thinking about the evidence and how to deal with the evidence, how to process the information that you get from uh, from witnesses, from psychics, and from your EVP recorders and thermometers and all the other bits of technology that we have. So oh, it's, it's a pretty broad spectrum course, and it's it's interactive as well. So it's not just sitting there while somebody drones on at you for two hours. And and like Maureen said, I mean I, that's why I like about uh, circles of wisdom. They offer so much. You can take courses in in uh, mediumship and so forth, but you can take courses like ghostology there as well. So. There you go. We're celebrating, aren't we, at Spirit Quest, the, the strong links between the early spiritualists and um, the psychical researchers. So, I mean, Maureen, is, is evidence important to you as a, as a medium? I mean, is this evidence that we attempt to collect, is that important? Well, I wouldn't just, I don't know. I, it's always good to, for me, growing as a medium to get stronger to understand where my strengths are and weaknesses. So any, you know, and it's not trying, and you know, who knows? I'm not trying to come from the ego, but we learn from validation, okay? Because if I, for instance, hit on a subject or I'm picking up on a certain individual and then we can later get validation that, yes, that's correct, whatever I was feeling at the time where I had that, you know, that might be a sensation, it might be a thought pops in, it might be um, a feeling in my body, I get more in tune and stronger with it every time because my intention starts saying, okay, yes, this is correct. You're feeling, you know, you're feeling in the information you got, there was some level of accuracy. So you try to almost tie that, um, that ability 
and to the validation. So, yeah, at a level, it, it does it, it is important because I don't know that you can actually learn from anything you've done unless you have some of that experience or that validation. Okay. Just so, just, uh, just for two minutes. Um, what's intrigued intriguing me? The question popped into my head. I'm sort of looking, obviously, sitting in front of the computer, looking around the room, and. Adjacent to me, quite a lot of uh, books on reincarnation and pre-existence. What are your thoughts, Maureen, on on the idea that we uh, that we get recycled uh, round and round and round, and that we, you know, is it plausible? Is it is it compatible with spiritualist beliefs? You know, I personally, I know everybody. You know, Ron, for instance, you can hear him groan, right? Because he's does not believe in that. But per, but for me, I do believe in reincarnation, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, I had my own experience with it, meaning when I was very young, I would have these dreams of, well, actually, I had a near death when I was very young, and I left my body, and I saw all these things. But when I came back in, I felt different, okay, which I can't explain how different, but I just didn't feel like I fit, if that makes sense. Um, and then years later, I used to have these nightmares all the time. I used to have these crazy nightmares, and I was reliving and seeing this event of being on a train, and it involved, you know, like a Nazi camp, and all these things were happening, and I was running for trying to escape, and then I would fall on the ground and get shot in the back, and then I would look, and I would change from that person to me. And I had this recurring nightmare over and over until finally um, I just happened to attend a like a seminar, and I thought someone else said, come on, Maureen, let's go to it, say, you know, try to do path lives. I thought, no, I don't believe in that. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's not for me. And I have to tell you, I went there, and I started seeing the same dream that I had had for years, and after that night, it went away. Once I realized where it came from, um, I never had that dream again. And I kind of say it jokingly that, you know, we recycle bottles. Why wouldn't we recycle a perfectly good soul? Why get rid of it? Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I had David Wells come over here, and he's huge into reincarnation, and he couldn't come to me, so I don't think anybody can. So, uh, but I'm kind convince of me. I'm kind of with you on it, Ron, because there is, there is, you know, there are parapsychologists who study reincarnation cases, and mm -hmm. I've presented some, some pretty good evidence, but... It does fly in the face of what, what spiritualists say, because spiritualists say that we ascend to different levels as part of the mm -hmm. process of developing. Our, and yet, at the same time, they're compatible with the idea of reboot, start again, you know, like a Monopoly game, go back to right. uh, right. that I mean, there is an entire contradiction there. We either do or we don't go round and round and round. And, and, and as far well, as we leaving... necessarily, I disagree with that. And the reason why, and I, and I appreciate that, but what, think of it this way. Free will's involved, right? So if when I go around, I'm not saying I do it all the time, but maybe when I, it, you say you have a reincarnation or you have an opportunity to come back and try it again to fix something or to make a promise to help someone else, right? There are those who might say no, or there are those that refuse to ascend because they're not letting go of their emotions, they're angry. Maybe they haven't gotten to that point where they can come back. You know, when you say you get to a trip and you turn around and do it again, well, maybe they haven't gotten to the end of that trip. Maybe they refuse to. So I don't that, think that everybody does that. I think it's a choice. Right. But the thing is, even if you, 
you believe in uh, moving to levels, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do that on a corporal plane. A lot of people believe that spirits are there to learn lessons, but uh, to amend. Right. So it's not necessarily you have to be corporal to uh, do that. And the other thing about as far as you know, uh, tapping into the past. Well, two things first I want to mention. You mentioned about the dreams. I know that for a fact that if through dream therapy, that if you tell your dream, for instance, one thing, you can make that go away very well. So what if you yeah, expose I told that? people that for years. I would tell yeah. my family it, and it never what, went away. Whatever. It, maybe you didn't believe in it, but whatever. I'm just saying that's one of the, the theories behind it. The other one is, is just because you feel in different things, what makes you not believe that you're tapping into, uh, you know, the greater consciousness? Uh, well, you're right, and you could be. But I'm just telling you my own perception from my own experience and from seeing right. that person shift from that person to me. You know, when I looked down at the person laying there, it wasn't me, but yet I felt it was me when I changed. So now, now you're talking about possession, basically, which is no, the same it thing. Possession. Well, it was another body, but the same soul. Like well, no, that's what you said. Now person. that see you, you that's really I can't understand that because you're saying another body, but the same soul. So what happened? No, the hell what happened to your soul? I mean, well, where is it? If it's, it's not in your body. It's also de described on as empathic memory. Um, so yeah, it's in worth... fact, there's another another one as well. So, yeah. so it's, a, it's a case of, you know, it, it's a conundrum. I mean, the paranormal. Who brought up who brought up reincarnation anyway? You did. <laughs> Not but me. you know what? You never know, I, and I will be the I first to say we don't know everything. We're we're <laughs> guessing by our own experiences. We're looking through our own lenses as how we've grown up. Our own experiences have brought us to our own beliefs, right? So, Ron, you're very, and I believe in God, but you have a different belief in some of the, in your Catholic religion, and I, I appreciate and respect that. But, I mean, yeah, everybody I mean, I, has their own individual belief system. Exactly. <laughs> I only, only recently I was talking to a dyslexic devil worshipper who sold the soul to Santa. Oh, jeez. I think that was a poor attempt for a joke, but anyway. <laughs> Santa, Satan, uh, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> by the way, I've been told not to groan on the air, huh? Don't, okay. I, th I thought it was your chair. No, that was me groaning. I uh, yeah. To the gym again. That was an editorial comment. No, no. So, anyways, uh, you guys are both coming to Spirit Quest on September nineteenth through twenty-first. So, I'm really excited about that, and uh, it, it's as Steve mentioned earlier. It is. Uh, is Spirit Quest um, Genesis, which is the rise of uh, spiritualism and, and the rise of, would you say? The Daleks. The Daleks, right. <laughs> so anyways, so that's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it because we're going to have, uh, one of the things we will be doing is actually having a spiritualist prayer session, uh, how the spiritualists. Well, speak of the Daleks. <laughs> Daleks from the dead is with the pizza. Yeah, yeah. There's a doorbell, which means pizza from the dead here, which means we have to wrap it up. Uh, I do want to mention one thing too, which is next Thursday I'll be doing a ghost cruise out of uh, Rye Beach with Jeremy Dontremont. Did the old manse this weekend gone? Now you're doing a ghost cruise. You, yeah. You're just putting it in now, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, Mar oh, forget about Steve for a second, Maureen. Maureen, I meant right. to tell you we were at the old manse, and guess who came through? 
Nathaniel Hawthorne. No way. Oh, yeah, way. I'll have to tell Surprise. you about that. So exciting. Now, in addition to that, we had, of course, we had the smell of cigar smoke or pipe smoke. I thought it was pipe smoke. Most people thought it was cigar. But I think that's because I grew up with a pipe. You're doing this now to be unkind, aren't you? You know yeah. how much we love that location. Yeah, and then and also, of course, we had a door that opened by itself, which was actually seen by everybody, which was kind of cool as well. So there you go. Uh, that was exciting. So, Maureen, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us today. And, uh, and I want to thank you for putting up with Rob for this, all these years. Yeah, oh, thank well, thank you. It's not been easy. But then again, I, can, I, I haven't been the most pleasant when I have to work with them sometimes, too. I drive I, crazy. I, I, I can empathize with you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always so a spirit beating him up. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why I've been going to the club and bulking up for our next our next visit. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasure talking with you, um, you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Now, Bye, finally, f- looking forward to finally getting to meet you in in the fall. Yeah, I thought I, you had. I you. Uh, I thought you had. See you later. Bing dong. She's gone. I dropped all. I got a ton of bricks. <laughs> Anyways. We're just about out of time, and uh, tune in next week for another Stella, Stella episode of Ghost Corner. France, International. if you survive this tropical storm, you've lost to send in us again. Oh, no problem. Good night, so, God bless. Yep, good night, and God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law. In today's business,